Welcome to Choosing Leadership, a podcast for high performers with big dreams and for leaders who know that they are more powerful than the level that they are currently playing. I am Sumit Gupta, your host and the founder CEO of the Deploy Yourself School of Leadership. I am here to help the best leaders get better and to help organizations massively improve their output and impact and at the same time eradicating workplace stress. Yes completely eradicating not just reducing completely eradicating i believe in creating a future and a work culture where people wait for mondays not fridays and get to do their most meaningful work the aim of this podcast is not to provide you more content but instead shift the context under which you operate this podcast is titled choosing leadership because that is what leadership is a choice In each episode I will celebrate leaders who have made such choices which are not always easy and comfortable but which has helped them get to where they are today. And let us celebrate the leader in us for choosing to move over our fears, for choosing to be motivated by something bigger than ourselves and for choosing to deal with every challenge that comes on the way. Let us celebrate you right now for stepping into the unknown and taking courageous action as those were the moments when you chose leadership at the end i will share how you can be our next guest on this podcast and with that let's get started stephanie is a serial entrepreneur investor and currently works with palanty technologies in the interview stephanie shares her journey of self discovery and growth from attempting to digitize doctors offices to starting her own website business she emphasizes the importance of finding joy in daily life her practice of defining her ideal day and using a wheel of life assessment has helped her focus on relationships friendships and personal growth through dance and water sports she finds solace and creativity enabling her to tackle challenges with a clear perspective stephanie's story inspires us to design our lives to be proactive in pursuing our passions and to find fulfillment in our unique journeys. Hi Stephanie, welcome to the Choosing Leadership podcast. Hi Sumit, good to be here. It's a pleasure to have you here. Why don't you start by sharing a bit of who you are and what do you do? With pleasure. So, I am a serial entrepreneur, an investor and a technophile, so very much into my technology. I also mm-hmm. work for a company called Palantir which specializes in, in AI powered decisions. Yeah. So tell me more about what's your backstory, right? Where do all of these dots connect? Technology, entrepreneurship, AI. Yes. So I would say the common theme has been around maximizing potential whether it's in people or businesses and so I started out studying economics and I learned the equation about economic growth and a multiplier of economic growth was technology. And so I got interested in technology, had a short stint in finance and despised it, pivoted to technology, used my master's to do. And then during my master's, that's when I really was introduced to entrepreneurship. I worked for a technology startup there, Webcrawler, and joined a program called Entrepreneur First and a coding program. So that's when it really started getting together. And that's when I started to learn about methodologies like Lean Startup. You might know Teal's Zero to One book. And those were really books that influenced my thinking around 
uh, quickly iterating ideas and really gave me that power to go from an idea of a need that I would have had in high school to like really testing the idea and seeing if there's something that sticks and that's worth pursuing. Yeah, thank you. Can you share how the journey has been? What ups and downs has it led you through and what have you learned from them? Yeah, my very first, let's say outside of organizing and more community things like dance lessons, but still my first kind of foray into entrepreneurship. The more serious one was was when I was essentially I'd come back from London to Switzerland and I was like, I'm going to be a full-time entrepreneur. And I had a few ideas to test. And one of them was that I would help support doctors' offices with regards to figuring out how to digitize their offices. And so there I was going door to doctors' offices being like, hey, do you have this need? And it was really, it takes a lot of humility. Clearly, you have your own sort of entrepreneurial energy. So I'm sure you'll relate to this. Takes a lot of humility to go door to door and essentially quickly understood that the dynamics there, first of all, doctors in Switzerland are making like they're making enough money that they don't need. They're not very focused on efficiency. But what was great is that while that was a failure and I had a few other hypotheses that I tested in a similar way, that was a failure. In the meantime, I kept having friends and friends of friends asking me for help with their like WordPress website at the time. Right. This we're talking about 2014, 2015. And I realized that they, for small businesses, were being asked twenty to $50,000 for a website. But these were stylists, shop owners, DJs, people who didn't have 50 grand of starting cash for their website, and it wasn't matched to their needs. And so I was like, okay, so I think there's a gap there. And so that was my next hypothesis. Now, while that was something to explore, I also had a part-time job in a shop. So again, could have could be seen as a failure in the sense I wasn't immediately autonomous with my business. I needed to work part-time, but it was totally worthwhile. And again, took a lot of humility. You've gone from a, a pretty serious job in London to then working in a shop slash helping people with websites and figuring it out. But it was a wonderful phase of entrepreneurship. And I'm really glad I gave myself that stability financially with the shop job and was able to develop the business alongside it. And the, my manager there ended up being my first paying customer for my website business. Thank you. And as you have taken these one step after the another, mm-hmm. can you share how has your own belief or confidence in yourself grown or changed over the years? Yeah, I think it, the confidence has grown in my like methodology and also the sense of like really enjoying each phase. Like when I was full-time entrepreneurship in Switzerland, like it was definitely... I knew I was in that phase of like scrappy entrepreneur figuring out her first like businesses that are actually like running and doing well. And I really enjoyed that. And now I'm enjoying this phase where I get to work with technology and people I love and have a few projects and enjoy the early phases of figuring out a business model. And so I think the confidence has more come from whatever phase I'm in now, I'm going to look back on as a chapter in my journey and just enjoy the phase, quirky or hard or brilliant as it may be. Yeah. And if we look forward towards the next chapters, can you share what are some of those matters which are close to your heart? What is it that you foresee for yourself in the future? Yeah. So the immediate, I would say, is I think there is a huge untapped potential for people like you, for example, who have several activities to work with a personal assistant. I've been working with a personal assistant for three years now, 
And I see it in my friends and colleagues that they're swamped. And so I've built a business around a company, early stages, around accompanying people to find and onboard a personal assistant. And it's a bit tough because you have some mental blocks around, I'm so swamped, I can't even, what would I give them anyways? And so I really want to accompany them through that because then you get a lot of time back and that time back can be spent just enjoying yourself, which of course is a brilliant goal in itself, or spending your time on more lucrative activities if you so wish. So in the future, that's really, and that's again in that theme of helping people and people within businesses reach their full potential. I really think that's a huge unlock for the businesses in the sense of the personal assistants themselves, who of course are entrepreneurs themselves, and the people that they are providing a service to. So that's in the immediate mm. future. Yeah, yeah. And what do you see are some of the challenges in that landscape if you're trying to build a business or company out of it? Yeah, for businesses in general, I can speak a bit to the like methodology and then for this one in particular. So in terms of the methodology, the way I approach it, I approach businesses is based on the lean startup methodology. So you're testing an idea, you're testing a set of hypotheses. For example, my first hypothesis was great, people will take advantage of having a personal assistant. But then I started to realize that there were things that were stopping them. I'm, I then cycled through the hypotheses of how I can help solve them. And in this first version, I'm still very involved. I'm still manual. I'm figuring out the business model in terms of the economics. And then in a second phase, I'm going to, I want to introduce automation, delegation, and then hopefully the business model is, has figured it itself out by then. So those iterative cycles are important. And of course, there are challenges because at first you're like, great, everyone's mm -hmm. going to be on board with this. And then you're like, oh, actually not. The model doesn't quite work. And then the challenges with this business in particular, I mentioned there's a bit of, there's mindset. But then there's also that you don't know what are the set of tools? What's the cadence I should be working with this person? What's a good way to delegate with someone who I'm not sat next to at a desk? And so those are some of the challenges I'm addressing with the business, but yeah, specific to, to that. And then, yeah, the challenges of finding your first clients, finding the right rates to charge those first clients, and then figuring out, okay, once I've proven out the model, how do you expand from there to reach people who may be interested? Yeah. And through this journey, what is it that you have discovered as your top one or two unique strengths? Oh, I would say trust building is a big one. So mm -hmm. whether in any of my endeavors, I quickly build trusting relationships because I'm reliable. People know I'm going to act in their interests, so loyal and competent most of the time. As in there's that expertise element. And I really pride myself on that. I really do aim to act in, in everyone's interest and really create those win-win situations. And I think that's another strength where there's a theme in every of my business where I can see each of the stakeholders and I can see a configuration where every stakeholder is advantaged by, a new by the new setup. For example, with the website business, what I saw was, okay, you had website developers that were charging a big one-time chunk, which wasn't serving the client and wasn't meeting their needs. And then any updates the client needed, they were relying on these website developers that were then charging 100, 200 bucks an hour. And so I changed the business model such that the business owner 
didn't have unexpected ad hoc $3,000 bills for updates. I made it a retainer model, so it was a subscription. I used tools, I used Squarespace principally so that the client has some autonomy in updating it if they want. And so at the end of the day, the client is winning, the provider is winning because you have your own, like in terms of business model, it's interesting because you have money coming in every month and your incentives are aligned because you mm. want, you allow the business owner to evolve the website to represent it. But the developer of the website has to own that like tech debt, as we say, of what they've built. So yeah, so that's on that business. But with each of them, I also built a tech recruitment business, which is similar. I won't walk through each one, but it really is that theme of you have several stakeholders and with a new configuration, everyone wins from it. And I love supporting businesses that do the same. Yeah. And is this like mindset or thinking evolved over the years? Can you share? Because I see a lot of entrepreneurs struggling with a lot of self-focused thinking either about themselves individually or their company only. Yeah. So can you share how has this like win-win ideology for you evolved? Yeah, I would say the very first, so through this entrepreneurship program, the first sort of hypotheses of businesses I tested, I think you're right. I was having a very like me-oriented approach to it. And then, yeah, very quickly. So this is, it's what's called network thinking when you have this like map of stakeholders. Mm -hmm. and, and then actually you realize that you need everyone. And even I was giving the example of like the IT, the like service support for the IT doctors. That was a big learning for me, because what I found is when I was interviewing them, the person that was feeling the pain was the medical nurses, highly qualified people who were, for example, with scheduling, they were manually sending SMSs, they were on the phone, they were spending 50% of their time doing work that could be fully automated and self-service. But the decision maker, the doctor, was fine, wasn't feeling the pain from it, but the mm -hmm. person who was in charge of the cabinet. So anyway, so you had this network of stakeholders, but the solution I was proposing was actually only advantaging one of the stakeholders and myself, obviously. And so that's when I started to be like, okay, you actually need to align incentives and importantly, help the stakeholders see that their incentives are aligned. Yeah. So in my work with the Palantir, for example, I've had part of my roles has been helping even competitors see that a program or a project and incentive, it aligns all their incentives. So yeah, I've developed that with the more and more projects that I've had where you needed to align those incentives. Thank you for adding that. I think even in my work from a leadership point of view, I think that is mm -hmm. where a lot of me thinking versus we thinking come into the play. Yeah. Because anytime a leader is dealing with, uh, let's say, fear, insecurity, anxiety, or mm. doubt, it comes from like, what is best for me? Or mm. it it's comes from I language. How do I make this presentation the best? But instead, mm. if you focus on your team or if you focus on the person in front of you, you mm. immediately lose that focus on self and it allows you to actually paradoxically do the job better. And yeah. that point about loyalty, when I was describing my sort of framework for trust, I think that's what you're describing because you want to show that you're not in a me mindset. And that you're actually going to act in the interest of both the person in front of you. And naturally, you're not going to sabotage yourself, but you are optimizing for both and not just yourself. Yes. And a key aspect to be trustworthy is to trust others first. Yeah. And I think, yeah, I think that's, that's again, one another paradox, which is quite common in leadership is people ask for reasons or proof to trust others. And then they are confused that why don't others trust me? 
And yeah. it's that paradox that to get trust back, you have to show it as a matter of mm. faith first. I'm curious for your thoughts, Sumit. Do you give trust or is it earned? I would say it's both. So mm. for your trust, yes, you have to earn it. And many times you have to, you earn it by giving it to somebody mm. else, by right? trusting somebody mm. else and not looking at somebody with suspicion or doubt. Even mm. if you do not know the person, going in with an attitude of, I trust you, and then mm. we will adapt depending on what happens. If your performance is not so good, you can always uh, bring in more structure or processes to, to deal with that. But if you start from suspicion, it erodes trust even beginning. And many times people have good intentions. In fact, most times people have good intentions. Mm. And if you were to err towards the side of trust, it makes the relationship much more easier and doesn't create any emotional pressure for both sides and allows performance to actually be better than if you start with suspicion. Yeah, I yeah. totally agree. And I think I trust you or I trust your expertise or I trust you to lead this. I think those are really powerful leadership words. Yeah, to let someone know that you're trusting. Yeah, like any entrepreneur's journey is not without the ups and downs, right? So mm -hmm. how do you manage pressure? How do you manage when nothing is working? How do you take care of yourself in those moments? Oh. Good question. I would say my ability to take care of myself has a lot to do with my shutdown and start day routine, mm -hmm. where I, at the end of every day, I will write by hand the meetings for the next day, any preparation I need to do, the top three things I need to do the next day. So if it's the only thing I do and those top three things need to be moving the needle on my like bigger picture goals, whether it's six months or 12 months or whatever. Mm -hmm. And then there's like the secondary priority to do's. And then I have a section for personal to do's, which is really important for self-care as well. And this is call mom, book this, like whatever it might be. And those are important, the personal to do's, because yes, work is great. But if you're not getting through your personal to do's, sign up to this dance class, whatever it is. And that's where a PA can help you, by the way. And so by the end of the day, I know my meetings for the next day. I've prepared them. I know the top three things I need to do before even checking my emails the next day. My personal to-dos are on top. And so then once I've done that, then I have my free time to just let it, just to just do whatever and have that freedom. And that's my self-care is having that brain space to say things are hard, but they're under control and I will come back to them tomorrow morning. And I really learned and we're, I think we're, I'm sure as entrepreneurs, we will burn the midnight oil or work long hours. And actually, I found that there really is a limit to how many hours I can be truly productive. And yeah, that, that shutdown ritual helps me have the time off work to have that creativity and that freedom come back. Yeah. And do you also have a ritual at the beginning of the day? Yeah. So at the beginning of the day, I start with those top three things hmm. and then I'll check email. So I don't have notifications on email almost at all. I use a I use an email service where I can say which threads I want notifications for. And there are really not many. We check our emails often enough. And if I start the day by checking my emails, I tend to get distracted and, and then I don't get around to my top three things for the day. And then I haven't moved the needle on the big things that I need to move. So I aim to start the day with those top three. Yeah. Yeah. And can you share how did you come up to beginning or putting these rituals into place? Yeah. So I read a lot. And so the two books that that came from 
is the four hour work week by Tim Ferriss, which you may be familiar with. And then the second was actually a Marie Forleo resource. Do you know her? Yeah. Yeah. And so there was like a version of that. And then I have a remarkable like pad. And so I created a template for it. And oh, yeah. And there's a there was also a journal like diary that I started with that had a similar template to start with. And then I adapted it from there. But found that, yeah, found that really helpful. Thank you for sharing that. I think what you're pointing towards is is the importance of a daily practice. And mm-hmm. many times, especially in leaders or entrepreneurship, we talk about performance of why something is not working or how I, even I am not able to perform to a particular mm-hmm. level. But what we don't focus on a daily practice, which will help us build towards that. And what you're, what you're suggesting is a simple, very simple daily practice at the beginning mm-hmm. of the day, at the end of the day. And if you have your practice like taken care of, performance kind of takes care of itself. And you see mm-hmm. this with any athlete or any sports person. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I think it's still rare or still not as widely accepted in business or in the world of work. Mm-hmm. Like To see your performance and to ask yourself, what is the daily practice or a regular practice that I need to build on? And mm-hmm. if I just do that, the performance will take care of itself. Yeah. And really switching off once you've done your shutdown routine. So no, no, no notifications, because if you're multi, so also having read a lot about like multitasking being a myth, as soon as you come out of your self-care hour, because you got a notification about a work email, you're neither addressing the work email, nor are you actually enjoying your time off wind down time. So you're not getting the creativity benefits from your wind down time but you're also not like addressing the email which you've now marked unread Mm. for tomorrow to deal with yeah and now to switch gears a little bit can you share something interesting about you that most people are not aware of Ooh, i'm a very keen dancer so i dance afrobeats hip-hop ballet i've recently learned how to skateboard i love water sports like wake surf tell me more what what purpose or what role does like dancing or these sports play in your life So it's purely, I really enjoy learning new things. And I have to say dance is the best way for me to lose sense of time and get into that sort of like just thinking about nothing else states. And so I really enjoy that. Yeah. And wakeboarding, it's fun to be on the boat with your friends and time. Do you do that on some kind of a regular basis? Yes. So dancing on a a definitely weekly basis and wake surfing less frequently, but yeah. Yeah. And right right now, even right now, you have a big smile on your face as you talk yes. about dancing. Can you share it? Does it also help at work? Does it also help you maybe stay grounded at everything else that you do? Absolutely. So when I've had a long day, I really try. And first of all, I'll start the day with a bit of sports because it's good. I can feel the difference when I've done even 10 minutes of some mm. sort of dancing in the morning. But then when I've had a long day, there's nothing better to have a bit that cut off. Where even if I've done my shutdown routine, I can feel that I'm spinning wheels when your like thoughts are still going. Yeah. And dance really helps with cut that off. And actually, I have to focus on this thing. It's like when I'm on my wake surf, like I'm not thinking about my emails because I might fall <laughs> or myself. So you just you're just totally focused and it's fun. And then you can come back to it. And yeah, you're right. It does put things into perspective a bit to say, okay. Do, is this really, or do we actually have a plan? And me like thinking about it outside of the mm. that plan is not helping anything. Yeah, yeah. And if you were to write a book, what do you think it will be about? It would be something along the lines of something around fulfilling potential, because potential is not just 
It's so another exercise I found really useful is thinking about your ideal. Day. Now I'm talking about like goal setting. And so that there's a lot of, and this of course is only my perspective and what's worked for me, but that's usually the content of books. So it's all these things I've learned over the, over the course of my life, where, for example, with regards to goal setting, I started with, I want to earn X or I want to have these businesses, or it was very like smart the way they teach you specific, measurable, achievable. Yeah. And actually I learned from another coach about the ideal day and just really writing out what your day looks like in your ideal life. And that I found so much more productive because why do you want to earn X or have these businesses or do these things? How do you feel? What are you actually doing? And that's where I started in introducing picking up like skateboarding and things like that. Because in my ideal day, I was dancing, I was spending some time in the water, I was learning a new skill. And so that's like skateboarding was one of those skills. And yeah, and so the, just like drawing out the ideal day ended up being the thing I focused around. And that was, ended up being like fulfilling my potential. My potential was having that ideal day. It wasn't mm. fulfilling my potential in the sense of these like external things around like a title or something. No, it was much more grounded than that. So if I were to write a book, it would be to, to around helping people fulfill their potential and defining what fulfilling that potential looks like to them. Yeah. Thank you. I think that's a wonderful take. That's also about proactivity and being mm -hmm. choiceful in the matters that matter mm -hmm. to you. And I do a similar exercise, which I call life design, mm -hmm. because many times people come to me with, this is my work. And then everything that is remaining is my life. Mm -hmm. And we have never really focused on designing our life the way we want to. And which mm -hmm. includes, as you mentioned, right, def defining those definitions of mm -hmm. what is success or what else do I want to do? Rather than just hoping or taking whatever life gives us, being more choiceful and really designing an ideal life, not just an ideal day or a week, but an ideal life and then slowly working mm -hmm. towards that. Yeah. So thank you yeah. for, for sharing yeah. that. Yeah. Some other tools that I find really helpful is, have you seen the Wheel of Life assessment, yeah. which is yeah also from a, a coach that I found really useful because you find that actually career is only one of nine factors and like mm -hmm. career is fine whereas we seem to and it depends it varies by culture but we do tend to put a lot of importance on that yeah so that's I find a really helpful tool there's also a book called the algebra of happiness and the long and short of it is that the most important thing for happiness are your relationships your friendships your family your part your romantic partner and so yeah that helps put things into perspective yeah things. yeah and I think what you're pointing towards is that we are human beings, all of us, mm -hmm. and there are many elements which constitute being a human. And mm -hmm. if one of those are not taken care of, uh, there will be an impact either in the short term or in the long term. And many times just because the way we grow up, the culture, the society, the religion, we only see a few of those like metrics or those like spokes of the wheel. We don't mm -hmm. see the full picture, but doing it proactively actually allows you to see that relationships matter because for a lot of people relationships don't matter or they think they don't matter unless it starts to bite them uh, and mm -hmm. for a lot of people we finding meaning doesn't matter maybe for some people money doesn't matter right mm -hmm. but all of these elements and health is one big part of that but it's you very well said right spoke so wheel, right if mm -hmm. a spoke is out of balance or damaged or not taken care of it will impact the whole like the performance of the wheel in in, in our case it's a uh, performance of like our potential our yeah. and especially if you are an entrepreneur or a leader it raises the stakes because then you also have a team you also have people working with you 
And yeah. if your wheel is not balanced, everything gets out of shape a little bit. Uh, yeah, and you want to communicate to your team that you understand that they have their own wheel. And so career is not their be all end all. And as a leader, you have to understand when to also help your t team and colleagues say, hey, you need to focus on this part of the wheel at the moment. And that's fine. We've got your back. Yeah. So thank you, Stephanie, for this wonderful conversation. And as for anybody who might be listening and who might want to reach out to you or find out more about what you are up to, what is the best way for them to do? The best way to find me is on LinkedIn. Please feel free to drop me a message and say you heard us on here. I'd love to connect with, with any of you who are interested. Thank you. Thank you, Stephanie, for sharing your insights. And I want to wish you all the best for this wonderful journey that you are on. Thank you so much, Sumit. Great conversation. Thank you. It was a pleasure. That's it for this episode of Choosing Leadership with Sumit Gupta. I choose leadership every time I record this podcast. And I invite you to do the same. I invite you to design a life of joy, meaning, pride and satisfaction not just for yourself, but for everybody around you. If you got something out of this episode, would you share this episode on social media? And if you know somebody who would be a great guest, can you tag them on social media to let them know about the show? And if you are a leader who wants to acknowledge how far you have come and have big dreams for the future, please reach out to me to be a guest on this podcast. And I love seeing your posts and guest suggestions. This is what I do most naturally, to lovingly and gently provoke you, to help you see your own light, to help you see what you are already capable of. To make sure you don't miss any episodes, go ahead and subscribe. Your thumbs up, ratings and reviews go a long way to help promote the show and it means a lot to me and my team. If you want to know more, go to deployyourself.com and subscribe to my newsletter or follow me on LinkedIn. I want to thank everyone who contributed to making this show a reality. And I want to thank you for listening. Always remember that you are enough, you are loved and you matter. This is Sumit. Until next time, keep choosing leadership.